there are a ton of people that want to invest <laughs> in some capacity, but are afraid to, or they don't know how to, or quite frankly, pardon my French, they don't have the balls to do it. And, and I was there for probably 10 years. I was, I was in a position to do it. I mean, hindsight's always 2020, but sure. you know, 10 years before I actually did, because I was afraid. I mean, you know, it's, it's an investment. It's a lot of money. Now that I've done it um, and I've, I've got a fair bit of experience doing it, that's my advice to people. And I know you guys have said this before on podcasts. Um, just do it. You know, I mean, make sure you're talking to the right people so you've got the, the, the answers to the questions, but don't be afraid. Just do it. That's where you're going with the invest now comment, right? Oh, 100%, because I waited 10 years. And I mean, I look at some of the properties that I was looking at 10 years ago and what they're worth now, even if I didn't keep them for 10 years, um, you know, 10 years more of experience, 10 years more of equity, 10 years, you know, it's a long time. All right, here we go. Hello. Welcome to episode 990 of KT Confidential. My normal host, my normal partner is away. So I've asked Mr. Steve Chiquetto to sit in with me. Welcome. Passed me off as Adrian, just groomed the beard a little bit, but thank you. (laughs) Nice to be here. Uh, nice to have you on episode 90. You have been on an episode in the past. I can't remember what episode that was. Becoming uh, a realtor, early January. Early January, yeah. Uh, so that was after you basically quit your job and, and joined the team and went uh, cold turkey and, and just did it. Uh, so maybe we can actually dive into a, a quick chat on that because... Uh, Holy smokes, becoming a realtor, and then uh, just not even 90 days later, uh, having uh, COVID uh, kind of uh, botch your progress just a little bit, Uh, although it's been a great time to learn and and, uh, um, take in all the things that you can can take in from, from working from home, so... Yeah, I've, um, bought, uh, I've, I've bought some lottery tickets because I couldn't have picked a better time to change careers, <laughs> let me tell you. But uh, I mean, to your point, it's, it's, it's actually worked out pretty good because I got a taste of um, the practical part of being a realtor. I mean, we got really, really busy really quickly early in the year and then nobody knew what was going to happen. It, it all kind of changed really quick. But then yeah. I got to go back and, and I guess relearn the things that we're really applicable to the day to day because like we all know what you study and what happens in real life is so different. Absolutely. Even through COVID, I mean, it's been really busy. We did a lot of leases. I mean, I think I did six leases in three months. So it's, it's been a busy time, you know, and it's like, we've talked about it's, it's just picked right up where it's left off the last month. And, and, and you are on track to hit your, your target this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you exceed it because of uh, the activity in the market. For those of you that are listening uh, to this episode, um, please, if you're listening on any podcast uh, streaming uh, app or device or wherever you're listening to us, make sure you like and subscribe, but also comment on on some of these podcasts, comment on what you like, what you don't like. Uh, Steve and I are going to have a conversation today about invest, investments and investing in real estate. 
Um, when I asked him what he wanted to title it, he said, invest now, um, in investing 101 and, and threw out a whole bunch of other, uh, kind of descriptive topics. But, uh, so that's kind of where we're going to go down the path and I'll, and I'll elaborate on why we're talking about this. But, um, for those of you that don't know Steve yet, um, Steve was a client of ours for a number of years and did a number of transactions. So yes, we did hire another client of ours. Um, Steve left a very, uh, very good job in a senior position, uh, a very good paying job uh, where he had a lot of um, clout, if, if you will. Um, and um, uh, I think he'll he'll tell the story best, but uh, it was over a beer with Adrian, um, maybe less than a couple of years ago now, where Adrian said, "Hey, did you, you ever thought about getting into real estate?" And uh, it's something that's always interested him, um, and that got the ball rolling. And I think Steve, it was about a year ago when you and I went for for a beer over at Rad Brothers and and had a uh, discussion. Um, yeah about joining the team and you know is it a is it a fit for us and blah 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 and um and it it kind of evolved the process and got you going and and also got you to not do it part-time kind of jump ship from your job and and join us full-time so even though you had about a year of training and studying and all that before you joined us um we we don't just bring on anybody cold um so you kind of kind of did what I did, right? You, you left a, a high paying job, a good job, one that everybody probably looked at you and thought, are you nuts uh, to start your, your career? And essentially your, your business, your, your new business as an entrepreneur, um, because even though you fall within the team, you're still an entrepreneur, right? You're still running a business within the business and you did, you started from scratch. So I'm putting all the words in your mouth, but why don't you give a uh, 60 second um, uh, introduction to yourself to those of you that uh, haven't met you yet or haven't heard you speak yet? Yeah, for sure. So um, in a nutshell, 23 years and five seconds I spent in, uh, in pharmaceuticals. I was a commercial director at the time I left, but I did own a company. We did sell a company. And 23 years is a long time. The market was changing. Um, I'd done a number of transactions with the KT team, uh, principal residence, but also investment properties. Um, and I'd always thought about getting my license for investment purposes, you know, thinking in my head before I had done deeper research that I'd get a leg up on investors and, um, you know, I'd be able to access properties quicker and maybe save some money. Uh, and that that's kind of the organic development of the conversations with Adrian. Um, you know, we thought, what about doing it full time? And it hadn't crossed my mind. But uh, the more I read about it, I did commit to taking a course. The more I got to know you guys and the team, I love the way the team does business. Um, it became a no brainer. And I'm, I'm happy I did because it's not something that I can think you can, you can do um, part time. I mean, you can, but you're not doing a service to clients by doing it part time. It is a full time job. And uh, I'll just go on record by saying you've been a fantastic addition to the team. Uh, we really enjoy having you as a, as a part of the group. And, uh, um, and you've done well. You've done a number of transactions already. I mean, we're into August, but uh, 
um, you know, with everything that's happened this year to be able to do uh, the number of deals that you have done already in, in helping people buy, sell and, and, and lease as, as a tenant and as a landlord, you've kind of dealt with it all already. Mm-hmm. And uh, your paperwork has been uh, pretty flawless and uh, your, your transactional uh, um, approach has been, has been fantastic, but also your, your customer service has been, has been quite good. I've had a lot of good feedback from, from your clients so far. So, so well done. And uh, thanks for uh, taking some time to chat about all this. Why this topic came up is, uh, well, you and I have had a, a, a number of chats uh, over the last number of months because we both have a, a passionate interest in one of our investments that we can kind of share discussions about that not not too many other people that I know I can have those discussions with. And I'm sure you're the same way. And especially since we talk to each other on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but that's, that's our cottage. Yeah, um, sure. So, so our cottage is up in Kearney. It's um, you go up highway 11 uh, and then, then go East on highway 518. Um, we're just kind of on the border of um, uh, Algonquin park on a, beautiful lake called sand lake um and you're not that far from from my place like you would keep going up highway 11 a little bit and you're 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 about 10 minutes away from there right yeah i think we're about i think we're the next exit up and uh we're on three mile lake so yeah which is also a beautiful lake a good sized lake mm-hmm. um so so steve and i for those of you that that don't know um we we use our cottages very differently uh they are different cottages they are different lakes obviously um but because once you become a cottage owner everybody wants to either use it and come up and visit you it's amazing how many friends you have once you have a cottage friends you haven't heard from in a long time right uh (laughs) it's amazing the uh the social uh, your social networks, how they all of a sudden explode with friends that uh, that want to come up and visit you. Um, but uh, you use it for also as an investment, as rental, uh, as a rental property. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, I use it for, um, you know, more personal use. And we, you know, it's our family cottage and, and that's what we use it for. We don't rent it. Um, and then, you know, to elaborate even further in terms of investments, uh, we both own rental properties. You own a you own a condo. Um, Adrian and I own a townhouse. That's uh, currently our rental properties. I have had other rental properties in the past as well, and um, and then we have our primary residences. And I'll I'll chat a little bit about that because over the last uh, couple of years, you you upgraded your a few years, uh, you upgraded your home to kind of your forever home. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, you know, with both of us, there's a lot of things that our clients and our friends like to talk about because uh, we're invested in so many different areas with our hands and so many different things, real estate related mm-hmm. and uh, being realtors, it also gives us kind of that insight and, and uh, leg up. So, so I'll let you take lead here as to what you want to start with. Uh, is it cottage? Is it uh, 
rental properties? Is it your your primary residence? Why don't we start with um, why don't we we start local and then we'll move up north as we go. So let's start with the uh, the rental properties locally. Okay. So so tell do you want to share with with the audience what uh, what your rental property is, how you acquired it, and, yeah, and for sure. what 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 do you do with it? Yeah, so I mean, how how I got into the condo rental market. This is actually my my second one. Uh, I downsized a number of years ago after my first marriage ended and moved into a condo that was just being developed at James Snow in Maine, um, in Milton here. It was a great place. I mean, it suited my lifestyle at the time. I was traveling a ton, so it was nice to just close the door as I left. Um, but over time you know, I realized it, it wasn't really for me. I did move into a home, but I was fortunate to be in a situation to, to keep the condo. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people forget to, to evaluate as their life changes because, I mean, real estate, my opinion, I'm sure you would share it, you're not going to go wrong. So, I mean, if, if you can keep these assets as you acquire more or if you change, it's a good idea. So I kept the condo, I rented it, uh, did really well. I think over the course of five years, I had three different tenants, one a very long term and then two um, one year leases. We did upgrade, okay, our home. So we decided to sell it. In that kind of window there, I did acquire a second one that was pre-construction um, in, the same, in the same development there. So that's how I still have the one condo, but I did sell the first one and they've worked out well. They've worked out really well. And, and, you know, that's something that a lot of people have to recognize with um, investing in, in properties where you're going to be the landlord is sometimes you do have to make that transitional shift as to, you know, divest in, in one place to reinvest in another. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of and an and advocate, I guess, of um, using the equity that you have um, established in, in, in any of your real estate, right? Whether it's residential or cottage or even commercial or land, whatever real estate you're invested in, it's going to appreciate and it's going to develop equity. And, and it's, you know, a great idea to leverage those equities uh, that you have to to reinvest, but sometimes it also makes sense to divest from from something to reinvest in something else that you believe will will be successful. Again, for those of you that are listening, uh, we're going to have about another half an hour chat here about just just investment properties, and we're going to talk about the cottage. We're going to talk about being a landlord. We're going to be talking about Airbnb and how Steve has become uh, almost a hotelier. Uh, for his cottage um, and, and things that he has learned. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cottage ownership aspect versus cottage rental aspect because we have gotten a lot of questions about cottage ownership lately. Um, and, you know, I have, I have a lot of things to say about that. And I have a lot of cautions out there for, for people out there as well. Um, so if you are listening and you are liking this discussion, please give us that thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, and leave a comment. Let us know if you have any questions, whether it's about investing or in real estate, uh, or if you have any questions for Steve or myself. Um, we love to hear from you. So Steve, 
um, we're talking a little bit about uh, local and you have your uh, rental properties. Uh, can you can you speak a little bit about finding the tenant and and you know to you as a landlord because as a realtor you know people listen to you and they say oh yeah but he's a realtor Let, let's take the realtor hat off on uh, take the realtor hat off for a moment and and um, elaborate on what is it like being a landlord uh, what is it like sourcing the tenant uh, and because you did it all on your own. Um, you didn't, you didn't have us find the tenant back then. And, and, uh, um, certainly you're capable of managing it yourself and you're local and, and you like doing that. And, and now you might have the ability and time to do it more so, but, um, can you elaborate on just being a landlord from that capacity? Yeah, for sure. So when I, when I first started, um, as a landlord, I guess it was when I was traveling a ton. Um, I mean, I was on upwards of about 140 flights a year. And of course, nothing ever happens when you're in town. Everything always happens when you're on a plane or when you're somewhere else. Too bad KT Property Management wasn't a company back then. Uh, eh? That was that was my lead in. So I mean, after yeah. a year of, of managing it myself and, and realizing it was just a huge pain in the ass, uh, I did actually acquire a property management company. Um, I was fortunate to have um, a realtor as a friend at the time who had recommended a, a very solid tenant who stayed there for three years. Um, but it was that trust thing. And that's, I guess, the first sphere that I would suggest to everybody. If you are looking for a tenant, look within your close circles. Okay. Because especially now with how rapidly situations are changing, um, things are happening, people are looking to rent everywhere. So warm referrals to me, are the best if you know it or if they come from somebody else. So that was how I acquired my first tenant. After that, I did go with a property management company, but I do have advice with property management companies. They can take it all or they can work with you. It's, it's, and I know KT property management is the same. You can be as involved or as um, detached as you want. I prefer to be more involved because I want to know who's in my property despite somebody else managing it. Um, so that would be, I guess the word of advice or word of caution that I have people that are just getting into to landlords because you get a wrong tenant in there or a bad tenant in there, the investment experience is not positive at all. Now, I will just touch on something you said about finding tenants within your circles. I will give some personal advice to those of you that might think of renting to somebody you know. Make sure it's somebody that is not too close to you. Sure. Yeah. Because let's just say you rent to a cousin uh, and cousin gets laid off during COVID and isn't paying his or her rent. Uh, your family get togethers at Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever are going are gonna to be a little bit different when your tenant who is who is sitting across the Thanksgiving dinner table from you hasn't paid you rent in six months and sure. now you've had to file forms to kick them out of your home. So be cautious to, you know, they say uh, don't get into business with friends or family, but, uh, you know, it's certainly different when uh, you're paying the mortgage and you have somebody close to you that does and, and situational changes and, and things like COVID uh, happen. 
So um, you got to be cautious with that. <laughs> That's all. And something I hadn't done actually since since I've become a realtor. I mean, I didn't use a realtor when I was a landlord, but I have to tell you, I mean, doing it half a dozen times now in the last few months, uh, it is very extensive, and and there certainly is value. And yes, we're realtors, and yes, we're we're uh, subjective, but. There is a lot more value, certainly, than what I was doing to screen people in the early days. Um, credit checks and history checks and reference checks. I wasn't doing those. It was over a coffee or a beer. You seem like a good guy. Sure, rent my place. Um, so, you know, it is worth using a professional, I would say, at this point. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is realtors don't make any money on on rental properties, as you know, a hell of a lot uh, of work too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of paperwork, a lot of time. Um, so, you know, when you break down the two, three, four, 500 bucks that you make on, um, on, on representing the tenant or the landlord, as a matter of fact, um, based on the amount of hours that you put into it, it's, it's certainly less than minimum wage that you, oh, gotcha. you make on it. Um, so we do it more as a service and, and more of a, um, you know, client development, client um, um, kind of procurement, if you will, to, um, to get you as a client. Right. Uh, so, so we do all that, but, but the thing that I, I, I know um, is that a lot of, a lot of realtors don't deal with leases, right? So um, they they don't have the time, the patience, and and know that they're not going to get paid for it. Uh, so they simply don't deal with it. But then there are realtors that strictly specialize in in doing them, and they do yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. Um, sure. So it, it's difficult to for a, a tenant to find a fit in that way. But uh, yes, I do agree. Having somebody. Um, that's on your um, on your side representing you, uh, whether you're the landlord or the tenant, um, is certainly a good idea. Uh, what is your plan for that property that's currently tenanted? Keep it. I mean, for how long? Myself personally, I don't. I don't make. And I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to get into kind of your your objectives as an investor, but I don't. I don't make a ton of cash off it. I mean, I've been renting it now for four years, so I mean, the the rates have gone up ridiculous the last four or five years. New new leases. I mean, you're getting quite a bit more than I currently get for my lease. But as long as it's covering its costs, you know, it it works for me. Um, I don't have any real. Um, time frame to sell it. I think it will peak as far as, you know, the value and, and the equity um, that I will get out of it. So maybe at that point, but I think that's still five, seven, maybe 10 years down the road. And it's a two bedroom, two bath condo, correct? Two bedroom, two bath, and it's ground floor. So I mean, the tenant actually, it's almost like you have a little bit of a yard. There's a little patio area. It's quite nice. Yes. So I believe that condos will actually appreciate significantly in that kind of five to 10 year frame from now as Milton grows. Mm -hmm. Although there are a lot of condo developments, uh, not only currently under construction and, and in fact, the building at um, uh, Dairy and Farmstead, uh, that one just closed or is closing. 
shortly is just com- completing now. But there's a, a ton of projects in the works for um, for the town of Milton and and surrounding areas. There's a lot going on in in um, Oakville. There's um, there's some stuff in the horizon in in Brampton and and Georgetown. So you know uh, we're seeing a lot of a lot of new construction, but uh, condos historically in Milton have not been readily available. Mm-hmm. And there is that demographic of, of older people. Uh, there is the demographic and, and first time home buyers that are, you know, potentially they don't want the upkeep of a home, mm-hmm. but also potentially they can't afford anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, uh, I think, Condos are are definitely a solid, solid, solid investment. Mm-hmm. Um, I love ground floor condos. So do I. The, I sold. Uh, so Natalie and I purchased um, a, a condo several years ago, right across the street from where yours is. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was at uh, uh, Maple Avenue in the Maple Crossing building, mm-hmm. and it was a nine hundred square foot one bedroom plus den, ground floor. Nice. And when I told some people in my circle about it, they go, oh, ground floor, I don't know, you know, resale value and this and that. And I said, are you kidding? The ground floor in those buildings uh, on the units that are on the outside of the building Mm -hmm. uh, all have some grass area in front of it. So it's almost like you've got a little backyard. you got a patio. You can put a barbecue there. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. I agree. And and mine was facing Maple Avenue. So literally, you could actually walk out the back door, lock it, mm-hmm. uh, and the bus stop was literally right outside your front door. Yep. Um, and we had it rented to uh, a lady that was 85 years old. Her husband had mm-hmm. passed, and uh, she sold her town home and, and, uh, um, and moved in on a two-year lease. Um, unfortunately she had to, um, have extra care and moved into a, um, a long-term care facility. Um, so at the end of her lease, we had a decision to make and, uh, was that to, uh, keep the property and, and continue to rent it. And I kind of regret now that I sold it or that I made the decision. Natalie was like, Oh, well, you know, whatever because she she let me put my realtor hat on and make that decision. Um, but when we sold it, uh, it was to purchase our cottage. We actually purchased the cottage um, in August and sold the, and took possession in September and then sold the condo in October and cashed out. Uh, pretty nicely after two years and used uh, use some of that money to renovate and, and do some things at the cottage. So, so that's what I'm talking about is that shift in, in your mindset and in, in what's important to you and, and, you know, as an investor. And, and I mean, very similar backgrounds. The other one that I had in that unit or in that complex that I lived in, same thing. I mean, I, I had done quite well on it went back and forth and debated whether or not to keep it, but we sold that one 
so I could purchase my my current residence now. So, I mean, again, when you get into investing, if you identify your objectives, you know, it doesn't just have to be build equity. I mean, it could be a short-term equity build so you can upgrade your principal residence or something like that. I mean, there's tons of things you can do while riding an investment property. Well, and I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is because there are so many people that I talk to on a regular basis. And of course, a lot of people that follow us and, and clients of ours and what have you, but even new people that I meet, whether it's through networking or through my sphere of influence, going to a party or going golfing and things like that. Um, people enjoy real estate. Mm-hmm. I think I think a big percentage of the population, people enjoy talking about real estate enjoy um, understanding and looking at the markets. There's an astounding amount of people that just scroll realtor.ca for mm-hmm. no apparent reason. Actually, that's, that's been amazing to me is how many just questions people have about real estate. Are you looking? No, just curious. You know, it's always a topic of conversation. Always. And, but what I noticed over the last 10 years of being in the industry is that there are a ton of people that want to invest (laughs) in some capacity, but are afraid to, or they don't know how to, or quite frankly, pardon my French, they don't have the balls to do it. And and I was there for probably 10 years. I was was in a position to do it. I mean, hindsight's always 20-20, but, you know, 10 years before I actually did, because I was afraid. I mean, you know, it's it's an investment. It's a lot of money. Now that I've done it, um, and I've I've got a fair bit of experience doing it. That's my advice to people. And I know you guys have said this before on podcasts. Um, just do it. You know, I mean, make sure you're talking to the right people so you've got the 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 answers to the questions. But don't be afraid. Just do it. That's where you're going with the invest now comment, right? 100% because I waited 10 years. And I mean, I look at some of the properties that I was looking at 10 years ago and what they're worth now, even if I didn't keep them for 10 years, um, you know, 10 years more of experience, 10 years more of equity, 10 years, you know, it's a long time. And uh, well, I'll comment on a couple of things there, but what people don't realize as time goes on and you, you know, the appreciation of the property goes up because on average, historically, real estate goes up over time. You even look at the dip after the peak in 2017 and then and had a dip after some mortgage rule changes and economical changes and all that. Um, we've already surpassed, uh, you know, not even three years later, we've surpassed the levels of uh, prices in the GTA as what was what were those peaks in 2017? So you know it's all it's all rele- relevant that and relative to the supply and demand that's uh, within the GTA specifically, and that's what we're talking about. So it is very much a um, up and down uh, investment in in the sense that yeah, it might not be worth the same in a few months, but over time, uh, consistently providing very, very good returns. And that six to 8% range is, is a historical range of, of the kind of equity, uh, or the kind of, um, 
return on that investment uh, that it's it's providing, and that's not including your mortgage being paid down by your tenant. Yeah. So if you have a two thousand dollar a month mortgage payment, roughly nine hundred dollars per month is coming off of your principal. Uh, so whatever that is, ten thousand eight hundred dollars a year on a two thousand dollar a month rental uh, mortgage payment. So over five years' time, you've paid down your principal fifty grand. The property's gone up six percent on average per year, and that's how you build equity, right? And so I mean, ten, ten, ten years ago, yeah. if you hadn't made those investments, yes, you 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 would be a lot wealthier. And and you're bang on as far as you know the comments, and I'll summarize it by timing the market because we bought our current property at the peak of the nonsense in in 2017. The most expensive time, you know, February. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, you know, I remember looking at it the the months later. I can't remember if it was yourself or Adrian I was talking to, and you know, the buffering conversation. Well, you bought really high; it's gone down a little bit, um, but you can't time it. I mean, it's I see what houses are selling for now on my street, and I've done well, even even with how much I bought it for. And I think that's there's there's two big mistakes or two comments I'm hearing all the time now from people who haven't invested invested. Number one, they're trying to time the market. You can't do that. Okay. You can't time it because nobody knows what the heck's going on. I mean, three months ago, everybody thought it was the end of the world for real estate. And I mean, look how, look how it's just come out roaring, especially in the GTA. And number two, okay, is down payment. And with down payment, you have to be creative. I mean, there's people you can talk to if there's professionals, if there's brokers, if there's family, there's always ways to come up with a down payment. It's just a matter of talking to people and not bearing that burden yourself if you're a first-time home investor. And Adrian and I have talked about this uh, in recent episodes of KT Confidential. So, um, you know, if you're listening and you like the topic, go back and, and listen to some of the previous episodes as well to get a little bit more insight. But one thing that we're big advocates of to kind of, touch on your topic of down payment is buy something where you can afford to buy something, just buy something. Agreed. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm talking to one of my relatively close friends that, um, I hope he's not listening because I just called him relatively close. One of my close, <laughs> one of my close friends. Is that Ian, your phone ringing again? Edit, edit that out, Ian. Um, <laughs> Uh, one of my close friends wants to think is thinking about in, an investment property because they they you know they're in a home that they can see themselves living in for for a long time and and says to me well now the next step would be to buy an investment property but I got to save up I got to save up to to get what I want as a rental property if it's going to be a rental property it you're not buying it for yourself you yeah. need to buy something that's Good for commuting. Yeah. Um, so relatively close to. I love the 401 line. So if you're close to the 401, um, or uh, a goal line, if you're close to a goal line, um, mm. because you want to have a wider audience of potential renters available to you, and if they're working out of town, they need to be able to commute, whether that's by car or by transit. And that's a big point, I think. I, I was meeting with a couple that's evaluating um, 
buying an investment property last week. And they, the first thing out of their mouth was, well, we really can't afford Milton. And the first thing out of my mouth was, well, you're not going to be living there. You know, like why, why are you just looking at Milton? If it's, if it's an investment property to your point, half an hour from here, you've got very, very, very affordable things uh, right along the 401 quarter that are great, great investment ideas. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've talked about some of my hotter spots like Woodstock as an example. Uh, Yeah, you might not want to move there. And yeah, it might not be the most desirable at the moment. Um, Neither was Milton 15 years ago. I started working in Milton in, in 2000 and four so 15 16 years ago uh i think at that time the population was was less than Mm -hmm, mm 50,000 uh most of the roads i would i would come in and i lived in oakville at the time and i would drive in and not too many cars in the area there certainly weren't many new businesses opening up and flourishing like there are today uh there was no walmart uh, there was very little in terms of restaurants and bars and, um, you know, 15 years ago, right? Yeah. And yeah. back then, uh, before, that was kind of when Madame started, I think, selling their first phases and their first development in, in Hawthorne Village. And you could have bought a 2,500-square-foot detached home, two-car garage for about 200 grand. Wow. Um, you know, and now you're talking 1.1 million mm-hmm. to 1.1 mm-hmm. as kind of your entry point for some of those homes. So, yeah. um, so to that point, it's it's a little bit longer term game. Okay, let's talk quickly about cottages because everybody loves cottages and everybody wants a cottage. Especially now, right? Especially, especially now, especially during quarantine time. But yeah. you know, everybody thinks that it would be so great to own a cottage and I'll start off and I'll, I'll let you kind of take over the conversation because again, you're using yours as an an investment property from the standpoint that you're collecting rent. Yes. I collect very little rent on ours. (laughs) So it's it's out there potentially to uh, in the future to make it a full blown uh, rental property, but we like to use it too, right? So so throughout the uh, throughout the year, we'll we'll go up and 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 use it for our vacation. Um, I get some inquiries uh, for, for rental and, and some of them I have to think about uh, more, than, more than others. But um, I was just there, as you know, Steve, because I called you on my way home on, on the drive. Mm. And the family stayed home and I went up for, for two nights, left, on, uh, left, left late on Thursday. And came back on whatever Saturday night or um, and the purpose of that trip was to do work um, 
and I think I chatted with you about that last week, I miss the days of being able to rent a cottage, go up there, use it for a week or two, take my garbage with me, yep. pack up our stuff and just go home. Yeah, that's all I have to worry about is taking the garbage to the dump. Yeah, um, as a homeowner, as a cottage owner, you have a shit ton of things that you need to look after. Absolutely, you do. It's not. I, I mean, my my experience with cottages came from growing up. My parents, from the time I was about fifteen, had a cottage, and the first summer or two, I went up there. And it was a lot of work. I mean, you're not going there and putting your feet up, especially if you're if you're not living up there. There's always work to do. And it's more than just cutting the grass, you know, because these properties typically need a lot more maintenance. So I, I never had an interest as an adult of having a property. Um, but, you know, when an opportunity presents itself for waterfront to possibly make a little bit of money, you know, you can't you can't turn it down. So you got to look for uses of it now. From an investment standpoint, this is why we're talking going down this path now, because people think, okay, if I'm going to invest in real estate, what is my next step? Is it to, and this is what goes, I think this is what goes through a lot of people's minds. And again, if you're listening and this is a topic that uh, interests you, please um, comment and, and we can continue this conversation on uh, a next episode or Steve and I will be doing some Instagram stories uh, to answer your questions. Um, so he's at Steve Chiquetto, by the way. We'll um, give him a little shout out. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, of course, if you're not following us already on Instagram at Cormendi Trot. Um, do I upgrade my existing residence, my primary residence, where we live? Do we upgrade that? Do we buy a flip? Do we buy something, fix it up, and sell it to make a little bit of profit? Do we buy something to become a landlord and rent it out? Do we buy a cottage? Because waterfront, especially waterfront properties, appreciate very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only a limited supply, especially within that kind of three-hour driving range, mm-hmm. uh, especially on, on lakes that you'll want waterfront property on, because there's a lot that you won't. Um, and then if we do buy a cottage, do we rent it out? So you've gone down the avenue of Airbnb. Yeah. And in a podcast not too long ago, we had Aaron Monette, which is um, Adrian's sister-in-law uh, on the podcast. We did talk about um, cottages and Airbnbs, and they've really killed it in terms of growing an Instagram presence and building um, building the business. and their first cottage was so successful it enabled them to purchase another one. And both of them have been um, now that restrictions have been lifted. Both of them are completely uh, booked for the entire uh, season that the cottages are open. So elaborate a little bit on, on your experience with that and what it's like, because you're, you're essentially a landlord for short, short term renters. Yeah. And, um, and and do you have any advice for people that are thinking of 
of that move. And I would say Airbnb or there are companies like, um, uh, what's the other one? Cottage, Cottage Vacations. Cottage Ontario. Uh, There's there's a bunch of them. There's a few of them that do similar things, but Airbnb is the brand and and known well. And so, so I think that's where you've, you've focused on. So can you elaborate a bit on, on the process and are you happy with it? Do you have any uh, advice? Yes. Yes. To everything. So elaborating on the process. So we, we were fortunate, the property that we acquired, it didn't need a lot of work, structural work. Um, It did need, um, a little bit of TLC. Okay. Which was sweat equity that we put into it. Um, <laughs> understanding that we would be renting it. So the advice that I have, if you're going to use anything online, like Airbnb, or even some of these other vacation places, um, you got to make sure you think of it for somebody renting. So rent a cottage or two, that would be my advice. Kind of see what's out there. Um, take a look at your competition, uh, because it is online your reviews are gold. Um, you know, you get 10, 15 good reviews and you get one really shitty review. It's going to wipe out those 10. So (sighs) I think you have to establish your objectives. How involved do you want to be? Um, my biggest challenge is being three and a half hours away or three hours away. And I don't have a local network um, or I didn't, when I started, I'm starting to build one, which is great because it's less of a burden on me. So you have to evaluate your time. You have to evaluate um, your comfort level as well. Um, And what else is out there? I mean, it's not a, it's not a home run out of the park. It can be a lot of work. It can be a lot of money as a lot of, you know, people can attest to, but they are great investments. I mean, the the biggest difference, I think, with Airbnb and some of the other ones out there, Airbnb isn't a one-stop shop. I mean, Airbnb is where everybody goes to look for cottage properties or or short-term rental properties. So that's all the service they're going to provide for you. They don't you know, do the cleaning for you. They don't um, maintain the property for you. That's on you. And I think a lot of people think that Airbnb offers a lot more services than they do. No, they house it, they collect the payments and they send you, um, they send you the payment after they take their, their cut. Um, it works for our situation, but it might not work for everybody. So again, talk to somebody who's doing it, um, go experience it yourself. So you have firsthand experience, but don't shy away from it because it's, it's good opportunity for sure. I have mentioned it in the past when we purchased our cottage, it was a three summer process. So two full years, three summers. Yeah. And the first two summers uh, were literally every Saturday, we would pack the car up about eight o'clock in the morning, get back anywhere between eight and 11 at night. We would put on anywhere between 700, and I think the most we ever did in a day was 1,200 kilometers. Wow. Um, and that was, I was my worst customer mm-hmm. because I was, I was my own realtor. I did not hire a realtor. And the reason I didn't was actually because we did not know where we wanted to be. So you did your homework. We did a lot of homework. We yeah. drove pretty well 
in every direction from Milton. Wow. And three hour drive was the goal. Mm. So anywhere that you could drive three hours from Milton that had waterfront, we checked it out. Mm. And I think we saw approximately a hundred and close to 150 properties. Wow. Before we really zoned in on what we wanted. So was there, was there something consistent coming up? Cause that's, that's a lot of properties. Like what weren't you finding that you were looking for? That's a very good question. And a question that I don't believe Adrian's ever asked me. So I'm going to gladly answer it. Um, one of Natalie's and, and mine, I, I, one of our uh, biggest wants on our want list was to have waterfront that wasn't too rocky, uh, wasn't full of weeds, mm-hmm. um, because we saw a lot of waterfront cottages and they were all waterfront. We, we weren't considering anything that wasn't. Um, we wanted to be able to go and, and swim. And, and if at that time when we started our search, we didn't have kids, but we knew kids were in, in the making, sort of. <laughs> uh, so with kids, you want that shallow area. You want a beachy area. Um, we had rented at that point probably three or four uh cottages in in that past year and a half uh prior to deciding we wanted to buy our own Mm. um and three of them had waterfront that we were like i don't even know if i want to go in the water or once you were in you were like oh there's weeds or the the murkiness of the water and 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 just not very appealing and so we knew, you know, a good waterfront, good shoreline, very important. Um, flat land at the kind of shoreline. Mm-hmm. Um, so down towards the water, what we found was a lot of cottages had a lot of steps down yep. or they were on a big incline. Yep. Or, That's ours. That's ours. Yep. Yep. Um, so, and that's okay for a rental perhaps, but as soon as you get flat land in front of the waterfront where you can okay. kick a soccer ball around and have a fire pit right there and, you know, have a picnic table and this and that, and you're sitting right there next to the water, um, that's quite desirable. Oh, for sure. Um, and tough to find. Uh, and very, very, that's why we saw 150 cottages, Steve. <laughs> um, then we saw a lot that were in complete need of either a full-blown gut or a bulldozer just to take the whole thing down because of neglect. Mm-hmm. Because I think what, and, and, and trust me, we ripped apart half of our cottage almost immediately um, but it was totally usable. Mm-hmm. Now, we did find things like mold and, and uh, uh, decaying um, support beams that weren't installed properly and things like that that, 
that we had to repair and unexpected expenses, but it was usable and they had used it for, for a number of years and, and no issues and this and that. So it could have stayed like that for five years and, and just been the same. But um, I'm talking about homes that clearly nobody has put money and time and love into it and and whether they were rental properties that were just getting you know turned over turned over turned over or or just families going up to use it for the summer they close the door in the winter see you again in may or june and and that's it so we so we saw so that was the reoccurring problem and and whatever we liked was probably out of our budget yeah so so we ended up increasing our budget a little bit and it was by chance. We, uh, you know, our kids were born in, in mid-2017, and we decided that, uh, okay, 2017, we're not going out cottage shopping because we have kids now, and they're, they're babies, and, and um, we're going to stay home and, and not worry about it. But then in, in August, it just so happened, I was home on a Sunday and um, scrolling through my Instagram feed, and I saw, uh, I saw a picture and it was um, it was somebody in in our sphere of influence. Uh, it's actually Adrian's um, extended family, his brother's father-in-law, who's a realtor up um, in the Huntsville area, and uh, and he had posted it for for sale and just a quick picture. So I had um, inquired a little bit further, and I bought it without even seeing it. Yeah. So imagine. Yeah. Uh, we put an offer in on this property after looking at 150 cottages roughly in person. We decided we were going to buy this one without even seeing it and getting into multiple offers and then increasing our offer over over asking and and just diving in because by that point we knew exactly what we wanted and um and and we took a risk because we were buying it based on photos yeah and i think and i think i mean the fact that you had done the homework you did allowed you to get the property because like we talked about the desirable ones just like homes you know they go really really quick and there's lots of people interested so you know you got to do your homework and especially now but but you know the key with with cottages i believe is having somebody that knows the area for sure uh the lake you know and let me tell you there's a lot of lakes that you'll go up and you might even be searching for a cottage in in march or april where there's still snow on the on the lake or still ice and 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 lakes can look very different at very different times of year um so you got to really be cautious as to when and where you're buying it and have somebody that has that intimate knowledge and that's something uh, or, or, that's get, been, or get the intimate knowledge yourself. And that's been something that's been pretty fascinating. I mean, obviously, being in the profession now, I pay more attention to real estate wherever I go. But up north, okay, where our cottages are, there's a number of realtors that specialize in half a dozen lakes. You know, it's very, very, very specific what they specialize on. And I, I, found, that, I found that interesting. So it's a good point, picking the right person to assist you. If... And actually, I've been asked to help people buy cottages, uh, and I certainly have now enough experience that I would feel comfortable in helping somebody do so, but not if I don't know the lake 
-hmm. If I haven't been on the lake myself, if I haven't seen or been into properties on that lake, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable because you got to do really good due diligence for sure um, on that. Now, here's the loaded question for you. All right, bring it. You live now in a home that you love, hopefully, almost. You got some renos still to do, but... Um, love the area, love the street, yeah. So you're not moving for a while. Not for a while. If you did not own any other real estate right now, except for your current primary residence, yes. what would you buy? As far as... Would it be a cottage? Would it be... No, some uh, hell no. Uh, con. <laughs> hell no. I'd I'd probably I'd probably look to knowing what rentals of condos are going for. I'd probably buy myself two or three condos. And area any area specifically? Within an hour of GTA. I mean, I really like west and I like east. Okay, so anywhere up to about Oshawa. Um, and then an out to, I mean, I'd go as far as St. Catharines. Uh, there's certainly choices closer, but um, yeah, about an hour from where we are here in Milton. And why, why this decision with condos within the hour? What I really like about condos is your ROI. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, I'm not going to get too analytical, but I mean, your cash on cash is phenomenal with condos because what you can, what you have to put down and what you can charge on rent to get that immediate annual return to at a minimum cover your costs is pretty good with a condo. A lot of people make the comments, Steve, that, uh, yeah, I want to invest, but I don't want anything with maintenance fees. What's your answer to that? Yeah. And that's, that's actually a great point. And that's the biggest challenge I think that a lot of people um, face with condos is you don't do your homework. You have to really keep an eye on your maintenance fees, especially as the building gets older. I find there's a real bell curve with maintenance fees. Um, prior to my current condo, the one that I owned, it went from about $200 a month to over $500 a month in about six years. Okay. So you got to really, really be careful. Um, that being said, what you can pick a condo up for and what you can charge with rent, you can build enough of a buffer yourself to be successful. But like anything, do your homework or talk to somebody who's done it or who understands investing. That's key. You got to do your homework. Special assessments mm -hmm. can come up in buildings from time to time. Yep. Now, sometimes they're minor and, and what have you, but oftentimes if a large special assessment is coming, mm -hmm. uh, you'll know about it in advance. You'll know uh, by talking to people in the building. You'll know by talking to realtors that have sold or, or purchased in, in those buildings. You know, are there potential issues to be aware of? Yeah, so, so sure. lots of homework to do on it. But what a lot of people don't think about is also the maintenance fees give you a bit of peace of mind uh, for some condos it might also incorporate things like your windows, doors, um, you know, they might include the water yeah. um, and every condo will be different, but it's also deductible from your 
uh, income that you're you're generating uh, by the way of rent. So, um, and that's why I mentioned, you know, one of the first questions you asked me. Any advice is make sure you're talking to the right people because all of these numbers being thrown at you can be intimidating, but a lot of them are deductible. Okay, so if you've got an accountant or you understand expenses. You know, at the end of the day, it, it can make sense. Um, special assessments you bring up, um, and it's not just old buildings that get special assessments. The first condo that I owned, um, I think after four years, there was a special assessment. It wasn't huge, but it did cost me an extra $2,000. Um, so again, to the people listening, if, if you're thinking about condos or you have questions about special assessments and what they are, ask us because they can be significant. Well, what happens, especially in new condos, is that they haven't developed enough of a reserve fund yet. And um, issues can arise like, oh, we forgot. Like there's the building on uh, Costigan. uh, uh, I forgot the number of the building, 1379 or 1380. One of the older building there, uh, they didn't put a garbage chute in. So, so, so the room there, and I don't know what happened. I never talked to the developer, or the the contractors there. But from what the um, the homeowners told me, is literally they they forgot to put it in or whatever. So every floor had this essentially this closet uh, where the chute was supposed to be, uh, but it wasn't. So everybody had to actually take the garbage down to the garbage bins themselves. Um, and I think they've since corrected the situation somehow. I'm not sure, but. But you bring um, up a good point too with condos. People, I mean, they understand that they own their condo unit, but sometimes they don't understand what a common element is and that you also own and have to pay for that component that's outside of your unit that you share with other people. That could be the parking lot. That could be the gardens. That could be. The underground parking stairs, yeah, the hall. Um, yeah, yeah there's, there's lots to consider. Well, there's a building here in Milton on Millside Drive, uh, 100 Millside, which is a great building. It's the only current building in in Milton that has a pool mm-hmm. um, and uh, really appeals to people that want to be downtown. Appeals to um, people that are downsizing and um, you know like the conveniences. Uh, a few years ago probably maybe five, six years ago, they had a huge um, redevelopment, I guess, or or plan to uh, reconstruct and refinish their whole underground garage. Wow. And uh, it was a big, big, big financial undertaking. And uh, everybody had an assessment to their um, um, overall maintenance fees to to get that job done. Right. So things can come up, but um, yeah, do your due diligence. I agree a hundred percent. If I was divested of everything else right now, except for my primary residence, I would be looking for condos. I definitely would pick up one in Milton um, just because I find that they're easy to rent Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going up in value. I would probably buy a one bedroom mm-hmm. and that, and my dynamic thought of that has shifted from that kind of two bedroom, two baths, cause there's more people interested in it. Now I've shifted to the one bedroom because 
it's okay to have somebody that's retired and on their own or to have a couple that also wants to spend time in Florida in the winter or to have a young professional. You've got a whole bunch of different types of people that it would um, benefit to have that kind of a unit. Yeah. Um, as more condos become available, I think we'll see smaller units and, and more one bedroom and studios and, and things just like to make that. A, make a quick note about what you just said. Um, and again, I've been very fortunate, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx myself, but there's a lot of value and, and monetary value in having a good tenant. Like that's directly, directly transferable into return. Yep. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, a good tenant can, can make you feel great about being an investor. A shitty tenant can make you want to divest pretty, pretty quickly. Yes, is that sir. a word? I keep using a divest. I think it is. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. Uh, episode 90 of KT Confidential. Uh, Steve, we had a good chat. We're, we're, our time is up today. But, um, you know, if you've been listening and you want us to dive a little further into any of this topic or you like something that we've been talking about, uh, leave a comment or shoot us a DM. Um, we're glad to even elaborate a little bit more. We can put up some Instagram stories to answer your questions or we'll answer them in a future episode. Uh, of KT Confidential. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me today, Steve. Thanks, Ariel. Thanks, everybody. KT Confidential. Uh, We'll see you next week.